You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs, and I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Welcome back to the show. The new and improved Wellness Realness is here. Some really exciting changes have happened with the podcast that I have been itching to tell you all about and now the day is here. I have been hosting this podcast for four years now and have always done the editing, the show notes, all the production, myself, the graphics, but it's getting to a point in my business where I'm having to outsource more and more so that I can create other things for you guys, but it's all about waiting for the right fit and I'm sure most of you are familiar with Kelly Tennant. She has been a guest on the show. I was on her podcast before. She reached out to me to tell me about a podcast network she started, a production company called Soulfire Productions. And long story short, it was 100% the right fit, felt so aligned. The universe was like, this is meant to happen. The entire team at Soulfire Productions is just so purpose-driven and really dedicated to maintaining the integrity of every show they work with and just making it even better than before. So I'm really excited because working with Soulfire Productions means the show quality is going to be so much better for you guys. And it's taking the editing and production off of my plate so that I can focus more on other things that will benefit you even more. So I'm really excited about this new chapter of the podcast. I hope you guys are too. I'm really honored to be working with Soulfire Productions and all of the shows in the network are incredible. So new exciting chapter of the podcast, always moving onward and upward. And now I'll have more time to post to the super exclusive Instagram page, Wellness Realness Crew. If you're not already following that Instagram page, just search wellness realness crew on instagram it's a private page just request to follow all you have to do to get accepted is write a rating and a review on itunes take a screenshot and dm it to that account wellness realness crew do not dm it to my to my personal account dm it to wellness realness crew and then request to follow me and then i will accept you and you'll get to see all the behind the scenes i've been making videos posting things about just behind the scenes of the show and my life, it gets quite juicy back there. So you definitely want to check that out. Even more exciting than that, though, is today's guest, Dr. Deanna Minnick, who is someone I have been dying to have on the show for so long. 
I first saw Dr. Minnick speak at the NTA conference a couple years ago, and she was talking all about the Rainbow Diet. She has a book called The Rainbow Diet, and also now another book called Whole Detox. But basically, in this talk, it, it blew my mind because she was making everything seem so simple and and explaining how to know what to eat in a way that that I, I thought, wow, this is so obvious. It makes so much sense, but I also hadn't thought of it that way. And then fast forward a few years later, I'm understanding this connection between the rainbow diet and the different nutrients and foods of different color, as well as their connection with parts of our bodies and the chakra system. And we cover all of this in this episode. It was it was so fun to record with Dr. Deanna Minnick. I love her work. She has over 20 years of experience in nutrition, mind, body, health, and functional medicine. She has master's and doctorate degrees in human nutrition and medical science. And she's a fellow of the American College of Nutrition, a certified nutrition specialist, and a certified functional medicine practitioner. She focuses a lot on color, of course, and a whole self approach, and really works to bridge the gap between science, soul, and art in medicine, which is really unique. Her approach is very unique, and I love it. And I think if you're not already familiar with the Rainbow Diet, then this is something you will find really fascinating. You can find more from Dr. Minnick at deannaminnick.com. That link will be in the show notes. And definitely check out her books, Whole Detox and The Rainbow Diet. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's go ahead and hop into this interview with Dr. Deanna Minnick. Dr. Minnick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I have been so excited to chat with you. I've been fascinated with your work ever since the first time I heard you talk at the NTA conference a few years ago. And I just love your fresh perspective. But for people who might not be familiar with your work yet, can you just briefly introduce yourself and tell my listeners what you do? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. And as you mentioned, we have a connection through nutrition, right? So I have a master's and a PhD in nutrition. I've been studying nutrition a long time. Even since I was a little girl, my mom had this super keen awareness around all things food and nutrition. And so from a young age, I had awareness about what I was eating. So um, mostly I got into the research of food and then I realized that there was much, much more, right? So it's like, gosh, there are all these nutrition trends out there, all these different diets, lots of dogma, lots of righteousness and eating. And what's really true? And so one of the things I found to be really true was plants, that there was something really protective about plants that you can't really arm wrestle the literature on fruits and veggies because it doesn't matter if you're a carnivore, you're an herbivore, you're a vegan, you're an, you know, whatever you are, whatever label you put to yourself, we are still connected through plants. We were just talking about trees before we signed on. And, you know, that's, it's like, if I just go with the science, it's telling me that there's something really healing about plants. So I've dedicated my life and my educational platform to talking about the benefits of plants. And I, have a, I have books like The Rainbow Diet, which is really about looking at all the different plant compounds and how they're connected to our bodies. Yes. And when I first heard you explaining this, I just, I told you, I thought, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And part of you feels like, like it's logical, but also, but also new, right? Which is why I love it. And what, what got you 
interested in that to begin with? Like, how, how did you come across that whole idea concept? Yeah, well, it started with my, my scientific research. So when I was in grad school, I had an advisor who put me on a project that was about carotenoids. Carotenoids are the 750 some odd different plant pigments out there. And so I did a research study on lycopene. I was investigating beta carotene. I started to learn about lutein. And this was like in the mid nineties when this whole idea of functional foods was coming out. And so how people were adding these things like lutein to prune juice in order to get the benefits for eyes. So I would say it started then. And then further from that, I began working with Dr. Jeffrey Bland and the research team at Metagenics. And Dr. Bland is the father of functional medicine. So I had the privilege of working in the clinic. I got to formulate products and we had a research team. And one of the things that they were researching is how these phytonutrients, all different kinds, like as an example, looking at resveratrol from grapes, looking at catechins from green tea, looking at the different isohumulones in the hops cone. And as a result of learning about what these things did at the cellular level, it just seemed like, wow, there is so much information here. Nobody that I really knew about during that time was talking about phytonutrients like I felt like they need to be talked about. You know, usually in nutrition, we think about, I call them the three musketeers, protein, carbohydrate, and fat. We get into arguments about it. We get into nutrition wars about them. And while all of that is going on, I think that underneath the surface, that talking about phytonutrients, these thousands of different, some of them very colorful compounds, they're doing really dramatic things. And so I just found that it was the common denominator to all of our health. Mm -hmm. I also work a lot with detox. I've written a book called Whole Detox. And what I focus on within that, I have a vegan and an omnivore track. It doesn't matter how you eat, how you choose to eat, but as part of both tracks, I have three days for every color of the rainbow. So, and because I know of the power of all of these plant compounds for helping with things like detoxification. So that's how I got into it. It was first the research that I was turned on to. This is like years and years ago, like decades ago. And then coming back into it when I got into the dietary supplement industry, because I noticed that so many people were taking isolated compounds from plants for specific things like to reduce inflammation or to help with insulin signaling. And then I started to realize like, I need to be talking about this. And so many nutrition professionals, they listen to me talk and they're like, oh my gosh, you just gave me permission to talk about something that they thought was very simple, but in a very like applied way that's based in science. And so I just keep doing it. I just keep talking about the rainbow. I can talk with a five-year-old. I can talk with a 15-year-old. I could talk with a 50-year-old. I could talk with my mother-in-law who's 93 about the rainbow. It's like, it's something that goes across all different age groups, all genders, all ethnicities, like all, I, I do a lot of traveling and I just find that we can all talk about eating the rainbow no matter where we live. Yeah, it makes it very digestible, <laughs> pun intended. Um, I would love to talk, like dive into the rainbow and go through each of the colors and yeah. um, some key points with, with each because I think, you know, I love how you connect it to different nutrients, but also like parts of the body and like certain health issues, which I think people find really fascinating. So let's start with red. Tell me yeah. about red. 
Yeah. And let me just say a couple of things. I think that's the new part. And yeah, so yeah. the science of plants has been out there for decades. What I have seen as a pattern in the literature is how certain colors have a code to the body. So I, in fact, if, if your listeners want to dive deep into the science and they really like to nerd out on this kind of stuff, there is a, um, a scientific article that I published last year. It's in the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism. It's 19 pages long, and it gives the scientific rationale, like why is red connected to inflammation and immunity? Why is orange connected to reproductive function? So we can go through each of them so that your listeners get an idea, but if they actually want to see the references, and I always believe it's important to give credit to where that information is coming from. It's not coming from me. I was merely the scientist that looked at the patterns that I was seeing in the literature and said, wow, there's a code. There's a color code. Red is this, orange is this. So yeah, let's start with red. Uh, most people, you know, when I look at the psychology of red and I've looked at studies, red evokes a response from us. It's reactive. Um, people can also get good energy from it, like vigor and feeling passionate when they see the color red. But in general, red is a very, like, I would say, like, th think of a stop sign. There's a reason why a stop sign is red. It's going to evoke a response. Mm -hmm. So when I think of red, I think of the red colored adrenal glands. I think of survival. I think of fight or flight. So I think of an extreme response from the body. So when we see blood, we react. You know, red is such a, again, it's a provoking color. So when you look at the science of red and you look at foods, what I have seen in the literature is it's really fascinating because there are certain plant compounds in these red colored foods, like strawberries, like beets, like cherries, like um, apples. You know, the skin of apples is really rich in these polyphenols that have anti-inflammatory effects. There was a study on beets looking at beet juice or cooked beet and showing that both of them could help to reduce inflammation. If you have strawberries before a meal, you can help to offset the inflammation from a meal. And even, I mean, many nutritionists know about cherries and gout, you know, mm -hmm. the pain of gout and how you can offset that a bit with cherries. And it's not to say like, I don't want to reduce plants and just say it's all about you know, not to say that an orange food can never be anti-inflammatory, but there's just kind of like a pattern. And these red foods, especially, you know, even tomatoes, you know, again, helps to reduce inflammation. Some of these red foods are also really high in vitamin C, which helps with inflammation and helps with immune modulation. Yeah. So reducing inflammation and then the adrenals, um, so are there specific foods? So these specific foods you think would also help with the adrenals? Yes. And primarily because when we're stressed, we set off a cascade of inflammation and mm -hmm. that cascade of inflammation ripples through our immune function, which is why people who are stressed get sick mm -hmm. because their immunity is lowered. And so we can't unhinge inflammation and immunity. They go hand in hand. Okay. So really important to look at the connection between both of those two things. Okay. So what about orange? Yeah, orange is a warming color, much like red, but it doesn't evoke the same urgency. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the psychology of orange, it's kind of a playful, it's a warm color. You know, you live in San Diego, I think of orange, I think of the sun, I think of the sun setting. I also think of construction signs. How is orange used in our society? 
And so orange is, um, if you just look at the literature and what has been found, orange is a color, at least in nature, that can be used for mating. I know that's going to sound very strange, but it's kind of a sexy color. You know, it's, a, it's an attention grabbing color. So as an example, and I write about this in my whole detox book where I go through each color for each chapter. So orange, um, so when guppies are ready to mate, the gills become a bit more orange because of the carotenoids that come into the skin. It's not like the guppy thinks like, oh, I need to mate and I need to be more orange. It's just that a natural function in that body, it, in that organism is creating that pull of carotenoids into um, luring a mate in. Same mm -hmm. thing with like flamingos and certain birds, the plumage becomes more orange, more eye-catching when they are uh, fertile. So if we think of orange and mating or um, sexual function or reproductive health, what is the human correlation? And I find this really interesting because for a certain period of time, I was painting orange like everywhere and I would never wear orange. I avoided orange, but every time I would go and paint, I like to paint for just reducing my stress and I would paint these orange swirls and sometimes pink and sometimes gold would come in, but orange was really the basis of so many of my paintings. And I started to laugh when I found this out later, because if you look at orange in our bodies, like if we just think about women's health, what I came to learn later was that beta carotene, which is the carotenoid that makes carrots orange, but it's also in so many other plant foods. It's not just in, in uh, carrots, it's in a whole bunch of different foods. But essentially that these carotenoids are found in the ovary. About 14 different carotenoids have been found in the ovary, one of which is beta carotene. So if we look at the process of ovulation, we have the corpus luteum, which means corpus is body, luteum is like yellow or yellow orange. So you have corpus luteum, corpus albicans as part of creating an active follicle, right? Where you have follicle going to egg. And so it's like, wow, you know, orange and yellow, these colorful compounds play a role in ovulation for women. Animal studies show that when you eat or at least have more beta carotene in the blood, that it coincides with progesterone. But that's just in animal studies. That hasn't been borne out in human studies. But I think it's really interesting. And if we think about men, the head of sperm contains a concentration, pretty heavy duty concentration of carotenoids because those carotenoids are, they're protective, they're antioxidants. So we typically, typically find them in the fatty portions of the body. So they're not just limited to ovaries or even sperm. They're in the skin, they're in the breast tissue. I mean, they're, they're in the fatty compartments of the body because many of them are fat soluble. It's so interesting to me because it, it, it took me a while to kind of connect the two, but you know, I had heard you talk about the rainbow diet and then fast forward, like a year later, I became a Reiki practitioner and dove into the chakra system and started using that to help a lot of my clients energetically heal who are coming in for physical health issues. And, you know, it's, I, I work with a lot of clients who have um, hormonal imbalances, amenorrhea, and I'm always like, you know, you're, your sacral chakra is connected with the color orange, eat more orange foods. And then it's like, here you are with all the science behind the nutrients in these foods that, 
you know, connect it all, which I think is amazing. And same with like how you have the scientific basis for how red foods can support the adrenals and in the chakra system, you know, your root chakra is connected with color red, which is also related to your adrenals. And I just think it's so fascinating how it all connects and overlaps. And it's like, I just feel like more evidence that it's ancient wisdom. Like it all connects. We're on the same page. We're definitely on the same wavelength on that. And in fact, um, I think me being a scientist caused me to look into other areas of truth. And so I started studying world religions, philosophy. I was doing yoga when I was 19, got into more of the energy realms. And when I couldn't explain things in science, I would often go to these other areas. And then I started to realize that these two paths were converging. Mm -hmm. It was like the Eastern traditional thinking and philosophy, more and more, what we're starting to see is that it's born out in Western medicine and science. And it just, <laughs> most people don't believe it unless they see it in science, which, okay, that's, that's fine. But sometimes we just know these things intuitively. So I feel like all I'm doing is putting the flesh on what has been around. Um, although I have been criticized that I'm not specific and hundred percent to the chakra system. So, you know, I, I don't claim to be looking specifically at chakras, mm -hmm. but I do think that there is a, a coinciding of these colors and the energetics of the food. Yeah. So there's the energy of the color that you just mentioned. Another whole layer to this, Christina, is like the whole idea of like, you know, we don't talk about it a lot in nutrition, but protein has a different energetic quality than a simple sugar, than does um, a saturated fat. And so what I try to do with the different centers is also connect into the energetics. But I think it's good for us just to focus on color because it could, it's like a rabbit hole. Like once you start getting into one of these portals and you focus yeah. on the adrenals and red, I call it the root. Then we look into so many different things, but um, yeah, so you're right. I'm glad that you see that. I tend not to mention chakras because um, sometimes it turns people off and they don't, they feel like that's a foreign word. They don't understand it. It sounds woo woo. Mm -hmm. I just call them the psychoneuroendocrine centers, right? I mean, this is the endocrine system, which rules, I think, everything in the body. So yes. I just happen to key into a color pattern with, with science. But yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you're right. There's something here from ancient traditions. And I do want to acknowledge that in audiences where they have an appreciation or an awareness of it. Yeah. And I love that you can see both sides and how they connect because a lot of people can't. And I think it's helpful for people, you know, people who listen to my podcast have heard me talk about chakras and energy work and not everyone is sold. And, you know, I think it can be really helpful to see, hey, there's a scientific basis from another another angle. Like I've explained it in terms of vibrations and frequencies in that side, but I think it's really helpful to hear your very well-informed perspective. So there's even more resources for people. Um, so I love that. But let's continue with our colors. So let's move into yellow. Yeah, yellow. Yellow is the color of fire. It is, I mean, if we think of um, even a like a stoplight, right? So red is stop, green is go, yellow is in the middle. And I feel like that's very symbolic because yellow, the fire element, is held in the space of the solar plexus region, which is 
If we think of the stomach, it's a very acidic place. It's hot, it's burning, it's the seat of rotting and ripening. And then you've got the liver, which is bilious and spews out all this yellowish bile, right? So everything is so yellow and yellow is a transformative color. It's a color of the sun. And so I began thinking, so I'm married to an acupuncturist. So we have these East-West conversations all the time. And one of the- It really helps because um, I'm no expert in traditional Chinese medicine, but when you start looking at these concepts, it's like, oh yeah, see, they've been around. So one of the things that's been around in TCM is that the digestive tract is the seat of thinking and thought and how we get burnt out, right? It's almost like a fiery thing. And so then I was thinking, okay, are there yellow foods which can change gut function? And so as I started to look into yellow foods, you have the more unhealthy yellow foods that are out there, like the breads and the pastries and the cakes and the cookies and the noodles and pasta and all of the yellow, the French fries, you know, all the stuff that people are drawn to when they're really burnt out. And I find that very symbolic. So you burn out your digestive tract that way. And then on the other side, there are healthy ones. So one of the most intriguing studies I found was an older study, I think it was American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, I think maybe 1985, where they tested 80 foods for serotonin. And they found that the top three foods that were highest in serotonin happened to be yellow. So you've got um, plantains, which are really high, pineapple, and bananas. Now, what we don't know, what we don't have the translation and eventually I want to do this study and it would be easy to do where people eat a certain amount of plantains, bananas, or pineapple through the week. And then they monitor their mood to see whether or not they actually have a translation of this food-based serotonin. It's not even like they contain a precursor. They actually contain psychoactive compounds in them, right? All of food has some psychoactivity, even water, because it's like changing our neurochemistry. It's changing our ability to think. So anyway, yellow was intriguing because I was thinking, well, yellow is kind of a happy color. Like if you look at the research, people that like the color yellow tend to be less anxious or depressed, or at least there's an association with people who are of a healthy mood. When they are presented with so many colors, they like yellow. Whereas people who are anxious and depressed, believe it or not, they do not choose yellow as one of their favorite colors. They choose gray. So yellow is like the sun. How do we radiate Uh, When I think of a banana, as an example, I think of prebiotic fibers that we bring in to change the gut microbiome. I think of complex carbohydrates that can be yellow, whether squashes or grains. I often put into this category tan and sometimes brown, because even though I talk about the rainbow diet, I feel bad leaving off some of the colors that aren't in the rainbow, but are also medicinal, right? Like brown, tan, even black foods. I put black up into the blue purple, which we will get to. Mm -hmm. But as part of yellow, I see it as a trajectory. I see beige, I see yellow, I see brown. And so each of these foods have different phytochemicals that could help things like the gut microbiome and help with just fiber. Fiber is one of the biggest phytonutrients that helps our gut. Mm -hmm. What about people who find that increasing fiber worsens their gut symptoms? I think in both cases, that can tell us that something is is off in the gut, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have evolved to be eating lots of fiber per day. In fact, the average American gets like a third or a fifth 
of what we historically have been used to eating, which is close to like 75 to 100 grams of fiber in a day. So something is, is off. If we can't take in fiber, there might be microbial overgrowth so that when we take this, somebody's going to take advantage of that fiber. And it could be some of the bugs in our gut that are imbalanced too. Mm-hmm. So, or we may not just have healthy amounts of different digestive enzymes, you know, um, even though fiber is not meant to be absorbed, it's still broken down a bit by cellulases. And, you know, there's some specific amount that gets metabolized for energy. So I think that that can let us know if we get bloated because we have fiber that there's definitely something to look under the hood of and start to look into our digestive health. Yeah, because we were made to have lots of fiber. That's why we have a long-running gastrointestinal tract. It's like we're gonna extract out of all that plant matter what we need. You know, twenty-six feet of small intestine, or you know, it's just so. Yeah, I would say we need to explore that if there's something awry there with fiber. Okay, gotcha. So, what about green? Yes, green. Well, if you think of all of the the colors of nature. And um, green is the one that is in greatest supply. You know, we live on a blue and green planet. And so this is an easy one for me because if you look at the literature, it's like green foods for the heart. If you look at a close-up this morning, I was having kale. I usually have a stir fry and I try to make sure I get something green. And that's not too difficult. In fact, most people get green in their diet. Mm -hmm. And so what are the nutrients that are contained in leaves or in plant matter that's green? Typically we have folates. Folates are important for reducing things like homocysteine, which can be damaging to the blood vessels. So folates are important. Another one that I think it's unrecognized is what I would call the other vitamin D, which is vitamin K. Vitamin K1, there are different formats of vitamin K. So the one in plant foods and green foods is called phyloquinone, P-H-Y-L-L-O, quinone. We need it for our blood vessels and furthermore into other systems of the body, but we definitely need it for clotting, good, healthy clotting. And then the last one is I think of nitrates. So things like celery, you know, celery juice is all the rage, celery and chervil and arugula, a lot of these bitters, they contain nitrates that are naturally occurring so that when we take them in, they convert into nitric oxide and nitric oxide is essentially a gas that will open up the blood vessels. So it's all about expansion. These green foods, just like a leaf is about like moving itself towards the sun and creating this broad leaf of a lot of surface area and expansion for its growth. Same thing is happening when we take in those plants energetically and also physically just even through the nutrients. Yeah. I remember when I first heard you talking about this, I was thinking, I I think green is the only color I eat, like, because green is so easy to get in. And and then it makes me think, I remember after that, I was like, I need to consciously try and get in the other colors because green is the easiest one. I think like you can just go buy some spinach. And most people can do that. Right. Um, You know, other green foods that people tend to eat, I mean, everything from an apple to, you know, again, like celery. I mean, they're, they're pervasive. Now, the beauty of green is that underneath a green leaf is often red, orange, and yellow. So don't fret that like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting all the colors because some of these plants, especially the, the leaves, contain other pigments as well. And we know that because if you think of 
well, you probably don't see it as much in San Diego, but when the, <laughs> when it becomes fall, when it's autumn, the chlorophyll degrades, and then you start to see the other pigments that are underneath. So the same thing is happening with our food. You're essentially getting these different colorful compounds many times with green. So that's a good thing. Although, you know, you, you do want to have some specificity to the color because of its action. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the same quantity as if you had a red food. You know, there's going to be a difference in, in that amount, but at least you're getting something. See, nature wants to ensure our survival. There's redundancy. It's in many places because it's important. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. Well, and can like, let's say I'm eating all green vegetables and none of the other colors. Well, is the problem like the imbalance, you know, like, is it, is there such a thing as too much of one color? Definitely. I mean, there could be too much of water, right? It could be like too much Mm -hmm. of anything. And one of the things that we see in the literature, and I speak about this in the scientific article, is diversity. They call it dietary diversity or botanical diversity. So if you're eating the same green foods all the time, you're not getting the complexity of all the different phytonutrients. I mean, gosh, there are like, it's been estimated like up to 10,000 different phytonutrients. So if you're just eating the same plants, you're not getting the universe of all these helper compounds that you could be. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of. It's not so much the color, but you know, I think many people get into what I call food ruts. They eat the same thing every day. And then, you know, it's kind of like they're in a life rut too. So how you eat is how you live and how you live is how you eat. And so that says something about where you're at just even emotionally, I think. We're going to take a brief pause from today's episode because I want to tell you about one of my favorite companies in the world, Four Sigmatic. I use Four Sigmatic's products every single day and they've made a huge difference in my life. You've probably heard that functional mushrooms have so many potential health benefits from immunity, energy, longevity, cognitive enhancement, stress management, and more. And functional mushrooms have been used for centuries. A lot of people just don't know how to use them. And that's why I love Four Sigmatic. They make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. You just have to mix one of their single serve packets with a cup of hot water or nut milk. You can also add them into smoothies or shakes or even pour them on top of your food. And they're the highest quality out there. They're all made with wildcrafted or log-grown and certified organic mushrooms. And everything is tested for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors. I like to start my morning off with their matcha latte mix or their mushroom coffee. I love that because it gives me the coffee without the jitters. There's only 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving. And I get the boost of the lion's mane for my brain. And then throughout the day, I'll have the cordyceps if I want extra natural energy without any caffeine or if I have an extra hard workout. I'll have the chaga if I want a boost in my immune system. Or I'll have the lion's mane if I want even more support for my memory and concentration if I'm really in the work zone. And then I like to finish off my day with their reishi, which is amazing for reducing stress and promoting sleep. Or I'll have their mushroom hot cacao mix, which is mixed with that reishi. These elixirs are so delicious and you're getting extra health benefits. I cannot recommend them enough. And if you want to try them out, just go to foursigmatic.com CRW and use my code CRW for 15% off. Again, that's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash CRW and use my discount code CRW for 15% off. Now I'm going to get back to my cup of Four Sigmatic and I'll let you hop right back into this interview. 
Yeah. So it's good to change it up. Even if it's, uh, if you really like greens, then change up the different green foods. Try not to get the same ones all the time. Even yeah. that will help. Yeah. I think that's why the color system helps because you can just think like, what colors do I eat a lot of? And then I'm just going to make a conscious effort to go buy another color. That's right. <laughs> that naturally <laughs> helps you add in, add in other things. Well, let's move into uh, blue. Yeah. So blue is um, a little bit of a tricky one. So it's, it's because there's so many different shades of blue and there are really no true blue foods. Like if you think of the blue sky, you know, like the, the non-cloudy sky, but a true blue sky, like an aquamarine, there aren't really these foods that occur in nature. So what I did is I split blue into two. And I, one part of blue is the, I referred to it as the green plants that grow in the blue sea. So a blue green, like sea plants. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the Japanese diet, it's so rich with sea plants. And we don't really do a lot of that in the American diet, but these things are rich in iodine, selenium, zinc, and different polysaccharides like fucoidin, like all these really amazing, like there's a whole separate category of these algae pseudicals, if you will, like all these like really important like marine components. Like if the land plants have their own phytonutrients, the sea plants have their own. And so when I think of that, I think of the thyroid. I think of all of those different nutrients in those particular compounds, um, helping the thyroid gland, whether it's iodine, selenium, minerals, and also when we think of the thyroid, we think of metabolism, we think of appetite, we think of satiety. And many of those, if you've ever had these sea plants, they're very gelatinous. They're very filling. <laughs> and so um, they can serve as also helping with appetite and hunger signals too. Yeah. And most people do not get the sea plants in their, in their diet, which I mean, we have so many thyroid issues going on now. It's one of many reasons why, but I think adding those in alone, like for so many people makes a huge difference. It can for sure. And I think, um, you know, there are other colors and other foods, but, you know, just to start there and bringing them into soups or sauces or broths, you know, if people make bone broth, add in some kombu, some nori, some wakame, you know, just to even have the, the flavor. Mm -hmm. So when I think of the thyroid gland, for me, the area is the mouth, it's the tongue, it's like how we take in food and the flavor component. And what the sea plants give us is that very unique flavor profile of kind of like that umami. It's a savory taste, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't get a lot of that either. And it's nice to fulfill that. Yes. So yeah. what, what about like blueberries? Okay, so then we get into the other kind of blue, which is blue-purple. So I have blue-green on one side, which is thyroid, and then blue-purple, which is on the other side, which is brain health. Blue-purple, there's a lot of overlap there, even with, I put black compounds, like some things are so blue, they're black, like blackberries, right? And so how do we bring those things in? Or black sesame seeds, or even black chia, or quinoa that's darker. So a lot of those um, deeply hued pigments are very rich in compounds called anthocyanins. Anthocyanins are a certain class with lots of different family members, but essentially what we see with these blue-purple compounds, and by the way, this is the color that people get the too few of in their daily eating. So if you're trying to make sure that you get colors and you just want to go one at a time, I would encourage you to make sure that you're getting blue-purple because 
There was a survey that was done years ago and it showed that 88% of people don't get enough blue purple. Like they're missing out on blue purple. 88% of them every day are not getting it. That's like, that's the majority of people. And what, and that was, that study was done by Neutralite. I think it was 2009. So what do we know blue purple for? It's for the brain. It's how the brain functions. It's connected to learning and memory and mood. And it's connected to performance and how you can focus and concentrate. I mean, we should have blueberries in schools. And it's not just blueberries. Like there's so much in the science of blueberries. Um, I, I've done a whole webinar just on blue purple foods, like just focusing one hour just to show you the breadth of science. Mm -hmm. And in the paper, people can get all that info, but it's not just blueberries. It's also um, Concord grape juice. You know, people have such a stigma towards fruit for various reasons, but if you look at the phytochemicals, and I think that even juices in certain ways of bringing them in, like in a mixed meal, can be important for delivering some of these phytochemicals. So there were some studies even on Concord grape juice, helping people with mood, with cognitive issues, just even short term, like acutely, having some, some grape juice versus a sugar-matched control, and then they tested their cognition and they performed better with the grape juice. Wow. So sugar that's doing it. Cause many people will say, Oh, it's because you know, you need glucose, you need sugar to perform. Well, that was controlled for. So it's kind of interesting to see. I mean, even raisins are high in phenolic acids. So, you know, all kinds of blue purple foods that can be good for the brain. Yeah. So when you're formulating your diet, do you look at sugar content or just colors? Oh no, I, I think I look at everything quite honestly. Um, and I don't have any more processed sugar in my diet. I, I did, that was a hard one for me to give up. So what I do is I rely on fruits in order to give me natural sweetness. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a banana or I'll have um, just, you know, just like this morning I had an apple. Like once you get used to kind of what nature's level of sweetness is, then your, your body doesn't become so demanding and have so all these different cravings is what I have found, at least for myself. Yeah, definitely. So what about foods like jicama and cauliflower? Are those white or are yeah. they yellow? <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, I put them under white. And so um, one thing is like the, the skin color and then the other one is the flesh color. So let's think of apples for a second, just because I mentioned them, so they're top of mind. Uh, this morning I had like a, a greenish apple, so that would count under green for the skin, and then the flesh was white. And so there are different compounds in the flesh, things like quercetin, things that are um, helpful on a number of different body system levels. So yes, when I think of white, just to get back to your question about those particular foods, you know, I used to think much like yellow that you can have an unhealthy white food, like white sugar, white salt, white flour, but then you can also have healthy white foods like the ones you mentioned. Um, you know, I think of, to add to that list, I think of garlic, I think of sesame seeds that have been um, dehulled. I think of, you know, there's so many different white coconut, look at how coconut is all the rage, right? And so even, I, I don't think that there's very strong science for this, but the way I see white is that it connects to cleansing, purifying, detoxifying, mm -hmm. and providing the energy that we need in order to do that process. So in the whole detox book, I have one chapter just on what I call the spirit, which is the color white. And then I talk about these white foods and everything is, 
I even bring in some talk about time-restricted feeding, about intermittent fasting, you know, not eating so much. So it's almost like clearing the slate, resetting. So that's how I also see white is the absence of. And so it's, that's the energetic of it is that it's forming a, a clean slate. And some people need that. They need to cleanse, reset. And that's what a detox is, at least the way that I have done whole detox. Yeah. Well, speaking of detox, I mean, I, I want to talk a bit about macronutrients. Um, <laughs> and well, first, because you mentioned it, I would love for you to speak more to like this energetic component to the different macronutrients. Okay. So I'll do it quickly. Uh, and then you can ask questions based on that. So the root, the red one, the kind of, I'll, I'll call it for your audience, the chakra, just to mm -hmm. make it easier. So the root chakra is protein, it's minerals. It's all things structural and grounding. The sacral, or what I call the flow, is all about fats and oils. It's movement. Sometimes we need less movement through these fats, and sometimes we need more. You know, coconut is a short, medium-chain, saturated fat, so that's very telling and can kind of prime our responses as well, because those are going to be used more for energy. Yellow is all about carbohydrate. It's how we burn, and what burns quick? It's simple sugars. It's... Um, short chain carbohydrates. And so that's really what gives us that burst of energy. Um, when I think of the heart, the heart chakra, and what we talked about with greens, it's plants, plant foods as pigment and color, the energetics overall is carried overall within the heart. Mm -hmm. When I think of the throat chakra, this is the energetics of the chemosensory system. It's how we taste. It's, it's how we perceive the act of eating. So it's not just the what of eating, it's the energetics of the how, which I think is just as important as the what. The pituitary or the third eye chakra, or what I call the insight, is all about psychoactives. Like how are we modifying our psychoactive activity, our mood, our memory, our mind through foods, through the consciousness of eating. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is the pineal, which is connected to the crown chakra, or what I call the spirit, which is about, I call it the subtle energy of food. So the electrons, the atoms, the protons, the neutrons, the electrons of, you know, charge, you know, it's been said that we are electrical beings and we are, because if you look at even a hydrogen atom, it's plus, right? It's got the little plus after it. So it's like, there's a charge on everything, all cellular activity. And so the energetics at that level is less physical and less visible. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I see it, the spectrum. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, like the way we cook our food, if we're eating raw or cooked food, that's affecting like the, the energy of the food. So like in what, in what scenarios would somebody want to eat more raw versus more cooked? Yeah. So if we just look at those in terms of like the big gross effects, so um, cooked food is more warming. So we're going to rev up fire. It's going to be more for the lower chakras, right? So we break things down more when we cook. So we don't tax our fire so much. Mm. The, the, um, or if we overcook, there are spectrums to each of these. So if we overcook food, then we're depleting and we're actually causing inflammation. Uh, with raw food, raw food can be very cooling. So for somebody with a lot of heat, a lot of fire, you know, a lot of like even warming in, in those lower chakras, I think um, some of the raw foods, 
You know, I, I'm like a middle path person. I could see medicinal reasons for raw or cooked, mm -hmm. but the literature, and I always get this question, so I'm glad that you brought it up because people are always asking about how do I cook certain things? If you cook in such a way that just steams, you know how like when you, when you steam broccoli, like there's a point where it turns bright green yeah, and then, and then it goes down, it gets too overcooked and it loses its color. I kind of feel like our cue to cooking is color. So an orange or a, an orange carrot, when we cook it and it's ready to eat, it's bright orange, but then we let it go too long and it starts to become kind of shriveled and it starts losing its color. It's not as robust. So I think, you know, if we really want to preserve these phytonutrients and ensure their availability to the body, for most people, we should have a little bit of of cooking in order to liberate. And people get concerned about goitrogens. Goitrogens are plant compounds that can, in high amounts, they can block things like thyroid function. Well, with goitrogens, you inactivate them with heat. Same thing with lectins. People always give me this pushback like, oh, Deanna, I can't eat plants because they have lectins, they have goitrogens, they have phytoestrogens, they have all these things. But you have a whole complex array of all these different team players. And many of them during preparation, just like not many people I know eat beans that haven't been cooked, right? How, do, how would you do that? You would break your teeth. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like just through nature and how we are presenting and connecting to the food, it, it's almost like it can help to reduce the amount of offensive compounds and bring up the ones that are healing for us. So I feel like it kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. And, Bringing in, I'll just say this quickly, seasons. We have to think about what's in season. That's a big deal. There's actually science on this now to suggest that when we eat certain foods in the season in which it's grown, it has a more, just a greater impact on health measures than, and this is just in animals right now, but still we, I mean, that's intuitive and it's just slowly starting to appear in the research. Yeah. Well, and it makes so much sense. I think it's you know, we've fallen out of that because now we have access to everything year round, you know? So, I mean, it's, if you go to the farmer's market, you'll start to figure out what's in season and what's not. But I was, you know, I podcasted recently with somebody just talking all about circadian rhythm and um, light management. And he was talking about nutrition and just how it's so important to eat seasonally to optimize your circadian rhythm. So I think there are just so many different angles to come at that with. I totally agree with you. Um, and I think a lot of the nutrition wars <laughs> going on right now is so focused around macronutrients. You know, are we high carb? Are we low carb? Are we keto? Are we, I don't know what we are. Are we carnivore? Are we vegan? Um, how do you, how do you feel about that? All of those arguments and where do you stand in terms of macronutrients? It's very root chakra, right? Because the, what is the root chakra about? It's about our identity. It's about our origin. It's about our DNA and ancestry. And so when I see discussions about the origin of foods, whether or not people are putting their stake in the ground of I'm vegan or I'm omnivore or I'm carnivore or I'm keto or whatever it is, I always do a quick assessment and figure out where their chakra awareness or consciousness is probably connected in. So if we're just focused on protein, it's all about protein, protein. I feel like, oh, work in the root chakra. And that person is carrying some of their awareness and conscientiousness in this place. 
And so I think that that's macronutrients to me are like the first line of establishing a physical connection with food. Why? Because those things give us energy in order to do work. They're not insignificant. And there's a reason. I mean, gosh, I've, I've been on all these different diets at different times of my life, and I've always learned a lot from them. So I don't dismiss them and judge them and say, oh, if you're on a diet, you know, that's, that's like low vibe. No, I think that we can learn a lot about our root chakra from being on a high protein diet. We can learn a lot about our sacral chakra from being on a ketogenic diet because it's so much fat and oil. Obviously, we might need some flowing or, you know, you think of the brain activity and how the brain is mostly fat. So to me, it's, um, but the way that I see it now, it's like, it's all relevant. You know, mm -hmm. it's, even if somebody is focused on taste, how do they taste food or somebody's focused on um, cardiovascular, you know, they're really into plants or they're really into carbs and refraining from sugar or refraining from gluten. I'm thinking, okay, that's solar plexus chakra. They're working through some issues, some digestive. So to me, I step back and just do pattern recognition. Like if I'm eating with somebody, you can say something about a person based on their connection to the food, how they're eating it, what they've ordered, how they selected that, um, their thought process. And so I think it's, it's all relevant. There's nothing that's insignificant and there's nothing that is better than, you know, some people think that the lower chakras are less than the upper, like, oh, it's more sophisticated to talk about the brain and the hypothalamus than it is to talk about the adrenals. Well, they, they work hand in hand. And so the root needs the third eye, the third eye needs the, the thyroid, you know, it's all connected. So to me, it doesn't matter. I see it as a web rather than as a, an up and down circuit. It's to me, it's more circular more than anything. So there's crosstalk. So it's, it's all very relevant for just whatever we need in the moment. Yeah. I love the perspective. And I mean, I totally, there've been times when I feel like I'm way too up here. I'm way too out of my crown and then times I'm way too into my root. And it's like you said, it's all a balance. Um, and I think with like the macronutrients, a lot of people are so, they just really want to find one way of eating to stick with forever. And it's like, well, which chakra needs more support, which body system needs more support. Like you can shift and change, right. According to that. So I think that's, now I'm going to start like thinking about it that way. When I see the way people eat, what you said, I'm like, which, which chakra are they working on? Um, so that's very interesting. And bringing up like the, the fats, the discussion of fats, um, and you are an expert in detox and, I want to ask you, did juice cleanses work for detoxification? Hmm. You know, it's so hard to just make a yes or no statement on one thing, right? Because for somebody at a certain time of year, for a certain duration of time, they might benefit if they're not doing a lot of activity and they can rest and, you know, good quality. Um, but that's not usually my go-to. My go-to is whole food. And not even supplements. I mean, I try to, to bring in whole food as much as possible because I think that detox is a daily endeavor. It's not something like we should just go off for seven to 10 days and go into this rigor, right? It's almost like, how do we just do this every day? You know, like, okay, let's drink tea. Tea is very detoxifying. It contains a bunch of phytochemicals. Let us do um, higher fiber foods and bring those in to bind things. So more than just juice and the juice facet are out there, I'm really an advocate of how do we make this an everyday mainstay 
through food and be conscientious of that. And I think that if people eat the rainbow truly, they're gonna be getting a sampling of so many different phytochemicals that will help them in that process. So I'm not talking about artificial color. You know, everything is a spectrum too. So like the artificial colors, why are there all those eye-catching colorful candies out there? You know, we look at cake frosting. We look at sprinkles on cupcakes. Well, there's an eye-luring, eye-grabbing a, a focus on color, right? Color is a known thing in nature that ensures our survival, you know, which is why your guest talking about circadian rhythm, it's a big thing. Like when we have the sunlight, the light is comprised of the entire spectrum of colors. We feed off of that through receptors in the skin, through taking that in through the brain, uh, through our eyes. So there's something really big here as far as, you know, how we see the everyday experience of living on this planet and then how do we connect to color? Because I think that rather than focusing on fear and I, I'm not a huge fan of the word detox, but it is out there and that's what people understand. But I feel like it evokes a lot of fear and that can drive people into more of a sympathetic, stressed out, inflammatory state. And I think it's so good if people can just focus on something that's artful, that's colorful, that's creative. That's another reason why I went down the path of color is because I started painting these very bright images when I was going through a lot of crises in my life emotional, mental crises, physical body issues, endometriosis, so many different inflammatory things. And one of the saving graces was not going up into my head and ruminating, but it was getting into my creative self. And I feel like color gives us the opportunity to focus on that. I love that. Yeah. And I love your emphasis on creativity. I think it's a different way to look at what we call detox. Well, let me ask yeah. you, what word would you prefer if you could rename that? <laughs> um, nourishing, you know, nourishments. That's why that's the tagline for my business, which is nourish your whole self. I didn't want it confined to nutrition. I didn't want it fear-based nourishment to me. I mean, nutrition, the word I feel like needs to be updated. It needs to be nourishment because most nutritionists and nutritional therapists of various types they're doing a whole bunch of other things and they know that there's a connection to life. Mm -hmm. So if we eat processed food, we're probably living a very processed life. Like things are moving fast. In fact, we're living an ultra processed life, right? So the, mm -hmm. there was a study that was released not too long ago showing that 71% of what we eat is ultra processed, meaning that it's not even, it's so far removed from whole foods. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have that combined with like no creative outlets, we're all working all the time. Go, go, go. We're not digesting our emotions, not drinking water, uh, eating out of season. You know, I mean, that's why we're off. Right. And I think it's to your point, like detoxification, we think of it as like, oh, I'm going to detox this week. But like our bodies naturally know how to filter out toxins if we just nourish them. Right. <laughs> Stay, yeah, and I think that's another key, what you just said, like, we need to listen to our bodies and what we're getting. Like, if we eat a food and we have this feeling in our bodies, it's like, okay, let's honor that. Let's make that, because even really healthy foods, whether it's almonds or, you know, just certain things that people would consider to be healthy, they can still evoke an inflammatory reaction in our bodies. So 
I think the more that we can be attentive to that, we don't have to focus on an external detox. Yes. Because like our bodies are different every day, every hour, even every minute. Like we have a million reactions happening while you and I are here talking. We have crosstalk, we have communication happening in our body. We're doing multiple functions without even having any conscious interplay with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more that we can tune into how we feel, I think that emotions have been left out of food for a very long time. We, we went into our head, which is why we have diet wars too. It's kind of like, Hey, I have the right approach. I, I figured it out. You know, I have the smart approach. I'm doing the right thing. And it feels very heady without being very feeling of the person and what they really need because some people, and that's why I honor all diets because we may need different things at different times of our life to support us energetically, physically, biochemically. We just have to go with that. So it's like no judgment on anybody. And the more that we create judgment, it's like it creates division on something that's essential for our survival and our connection as human beings. And the last thing we need is more division, polarity, and yeah, divisiveness um, that really sets us apart from each other. It's like, wow, we need more connection. This planet is in crisis mode and we wanna support each other in in how we see food rather than criticize because how can anybody know what's good for my body other than me? I could not agree more. And I think that's a message that a lot of people listening need to hear. And I think a lot of people just want the permission to be able to listen to their bodies because they have so much chatter in their ears about what they should and shouldn't eat. And it's like you said, we just have to tune into ourselves and like we know our own bodies. So I love that message. And I know everyone's going to want to look up all of your content, get your books and learn more from you. So before I let you go, can you just remind everyone where they can find more from you? You bet. So best way would be just to go to my website, which is deannaminick.com, D-E-A-N-N-A-M-I-N-I-C-H. And what I did on the website is I've got a bunch of online self-directed programs for super cheap, like helping people to do the rainbow diet in 21 days for $29, where they can just watch a video, they get food lists. I have all these different kinds of programs on there. So if people just kind of want to put their toe in the water and experience nourishment and inspiration and lots of color and see what that's like, I have many different options for people to, to get a taste. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Minnick, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to see you at the NTA conference. Yeah, I'll see you then. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you. Huge thank you to Dr. Deanna Minnick for coming on the podcast and having such an interesting, informative conversation. I highly recommend checking out her books, The Rainbow Diet and Whole Detox, and you can find more from her at deannaminnick.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear about it. You can post about it in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Comment on my recent Instagram post to tell me what you thought. And if you want to go above and beyond, post it to social media. Just take a screenshot, tag me, tag Wellness Realness Podcast, tag Dr. Minnick. It means the world to me when you guys share on social media. And then I can say thank you when you tag me. Don't forget that if you want exclusive behind the scenes content, just DM your rating and review on iTunes to Wellness Realness Crew, and I'll give you access to our exclusive Instagram page. That's it for today's show. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.